Welcome to New Zealand's Tech Marketers Podcast, an NZ Tech Marketers group passion project where we interview inspiring Kiwi marketers working in some of New Zealand's leading tech brands. We're very excited for you to join us today for this episode of New Zealand Tech Marketers Podcast and enjoy this interview with Ben, ben Van Opseland. Today, Ben will talk us through his experience in tech marketing and give us some t- tips and tricks for marketing in the digital space. Ben, can you tell us about your experience and how you ended up in the tech and digital space? Hey, Brittany. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Stoked to be here. Um, yeah, my experience. So I've always been a, a digital marketer. <clears throat> it began in um, in university. I did a, a Bachelor of Commerce at Canterbury in about 2009. Um, but astoundingly, there was no actual digital marketing kind of course content within that. So I just, I just, I guess I just landed in the right roles after I graduated. Um, I feel like timing is always everything with yeah. a lot of careers, isn't it? So I, um, I landed in a, I guess, an online marketing coordinator role after that, and I did a um, digital marketing certificate outside of work, and from there it got me in into the the right roles after that. So that was it started all in kind of agency environments. So spent seven or eight years um, working for various advertising or kind of paid media specialist agencies. Um, and those are great places to learn and kind of cut your teeth um, in all things kind of advertising, marketing and digital media because you're working with um, a really big kind of cross-section of different uh, industries, different business leaders and different kind of campaign objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all up until <clears throat> uh, the start of 2020 where um, a friend of mine, Bindi from uh, Lawview, reached out um, she told me about this this startup based in Tauranga uh, called Lawview, um, taking kind of bounds and strides in the legal tech field. Um, and I lo- I love the idea of it. So I met with um, some of the leaders in the business, and they were super ambitious. Um, and I'd always <clears throat> kind of referred to tech marketing and the kind of this in particular the SaaS space throughout my career for kind of some of that thought leadership and kind of the cutting edge stuff especially in regard to use of data. Yeah. Um, so I made the jump in there and it's been great. Wonderful. Yeah, it was it's surprising that you mentioned how the university didn't have digital marketing back then because, you know, I was around graduating around the same time and that was a big surprise to me what they were teaching still in, in the courses. Yeah, um, I, should, you... I, I, should, I shouldn't be so harsh on them. Um, but yeah. Um, the, I know the they're doing a lot in the digital space now, which is really good. Yeah, they certainly are. What have been your core roles and what do you, you know, can you describe a little bit about you? You mentioned Vindi just before and Lawview, but talk about your role a bit more and what you're doing with them. Uh, with Lawview at the moment? Yeah, in your previous roles as yeah, well. I'll just give a sure. bit of a... So I've always been, a, I guess, a digital specialist um, in agency environments, like you're kind of that resource that maybe an account manager will go to to get kind of in-depth knowledge in a certain kind of topic area. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's always been areas of paid search uh, paid advertising on uh, like paid social or display mediums, but also more kind of organic stuff as well, such as SEO. And my role in Lawview is, is kind of a synthesis synthesis, uh, synthesis of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so as with any kind of startup, especially in tech, like you've got to wear a lot of hats. Um, so at the moment in Lawview, um, within the market, the growth marketing team, I oversee our, kind of our paid media strategy um, across all of our different paid channels. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as our marketing CRM, we use uh, we use Pardot and Salesforce for anybody mm-hmm. who's interested. Um, and then I oversee the the website's kind of organic performance as well. So particularly technical SEO. 
Cool. What is your favorite part about digital marketing and the tech sector? It's always my favorite <clears throat> question. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite part is it's just the kind of abundance of data, which you get from, especially in a B2B kind of application, the, the path, the buyer's journey is, is so long and complex. There's so many, uh, there's so many barriers. There's so many issues that you could encounter in a user's kind of path to purchase, but that's also so many opportunities. Yeah. Um, so by contrast, like if you were uh, marketing for an e-commerce site selling Nikes, it's a pretty simple kind of um, path to purchase. But when someone spends up to 12 months researching, shortlisting, engaging with like a, a business to onboard some new tech, especially if it's a kind of an enterprise kind of client, there's just so many opportunities across that pathway to, to influence them. And that spans so many different marketing touch points on different paid media channels or on your website. And then all of the kind of non-digital aspects as well. Yeah. And I guess like, especially with tech, you know, it doesn't just end when you sell the product. It's that ongoing relationship yeah. too. So that's something that sure. I really enjoy too about, you know, you have the, the whole sales process and you have the customer, but then that's just the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so great. What would you give, what advice would you give yourself back when you were starting, when you just graduated and you were starting in the marketing scene? What what advice would you give yourself or what advice would you give young people graduating? I think like, I think when you initially kind of, you're in a, a role for one to two years, like you're obviously learning at a really rapid rate um, and hopefully you're like seeing success in your campaign. So maybe you think you know a bit more than in reality you do. So I think yeah. my advice, um, definitely to my younger self and possibly to others as well, um, is just kind of learn as much as you can about everything not central to your role. So if you're a digital marketer in a, in a wider business, learn as much as you can about what influences customers um, outside of digital marketing. Um, and that's a great kind of opportunity to um, speak to other people within different functions. Um, mm -hmm. Even like the finance team, speak to them about kind of what they what they see as kind of barriers for customers and what they've learned from kind of that business um, analysis and intelligence perspective. Yeah. Um, and just just soak everything in because a customer's path to purchase is so, so complex um, and you'll be a better, better marketer, definitely a better digital marketer if you have like a bigger picture of everything that's influencing a customer as well as your business's success. Yeah, definitely. And just understanding their perspective is a massive thing. I rem yeah, like, remember when I started my job, I'd just sit in on demos. So even just learning the language that people would use when they're talking about your product or their their core needs. Yeah, and there's something which um, was really stressed in like the paid media industry as well as like during the briefing process, having kind of empathy. And yeah. initially I thought, what does empathy really have to do with marketing and paid media? But you've really got to like understand your audience and kind of empathize with the struggles and the barriers which they see in their own kind of day-to-day -day life. And that's all solvable via yep. marketing techniques as well. Yeah, definitely. What areas of digital marketing do you think tech businesses need to consider? Pretty much everything. Questions, <laughs> <but it's fine. laughs> um, I think it is that customer journey though. I think um, look at the different kind of digital touch points which your user is um, is focusing on and then um, see if you can map those across their their path to purchase and kind of rank how how you perform as an as a business like in relation to those. Um, 
another one is probably just like dialing in your CRM. So if you can, um, from the very first, like from the get go of your CRM is dialed and you know how to track user engagement um, and track eventual ROI, that'll kind of enable you as a marketer within a larger organization to kind of show your worth and, um, and like back up your ideas and build yourself there. Yep, perfect. Um, could you just give us a bit of an overview of what paid channels there are at the moment, just for, you know, you, our listeners who probably, are, you know, might be graduates or they're wanting to learn yep. a bit more about that? For sure. I feel like there's an abundance of different channels and like tech and tools and stuff you can you can use at the moment. Um, and they're all kind of being forced on you. But I can break it down into maybe the, the three most popular channel groupings. Yeah. Um, conveniently, this is also how Google Analytics uh, puts it if you go into um, default channel groupings there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's relatable to people's own data. Um, yeah. I think the first one, kind of the biggest channel, the one which we're pretty well versed in by now is paid search. Yeah. Um, so this is Google Ads. It's that um, it targets using using keywords. There's like an instant um, kind of auction that happens with all the, with all the uh, advertisers. And then obviously you get those paid ads at the top of your search results. Um, Google, obviously, as we know, has a massive market share there, but there's also Bing within paid search. Um, and I don't like, don't sleep on Bing. Um, you won't, obviously the audience is a lot smaller, um, but especially if you're in a B2B space, um, you do have qualified prospects using Bing and there's less competition on there. So it is surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's because like, yeah, with some kind of OSs, um, Bing is the default search engine, so not everybody yep. always changes it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like we definitely get um, every week we get qualified kind of leads and conversions via Bing ads. The other thing with paid search is that it's always going to give you generally the best return on investment. Yep. So, like conventional kind of user behavior is that they might discover you by something like um, a display ad or a um, a LinkedIn ad. But more often than not, they'll navigate back to your website via a Google search, Google search before they make it like a key action. Yeah. So um, paid search is often kind of showing the best ROI just because it's that last click before yeah. someone takes a meaningful action. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The second kind of major group is the paid social kind of platforms. Um, and these provide so much value. Um, there's no wonder that the social media orgs are some of the biggest in the world. Um, how you use paid social in, in tech really comes down to whether you're B2B or whether you're B2C. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the popular ones for B2C are obviously the um, like the meta network. So Facebook ads as well as Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but then on the B2B side, uh, LinkedIn ads is obviously unrivaled. It's, it's a fantastic platform. Um, and TikTok is on the rise as well, especially because in New Zealand, um, TikTok, TikTok enabled their like um, self-serve advertising platform, I think in late 2020. So mm -hmm. um, any and all advertisers can go in there and advertise now as well. But like the main thing about paid social is that the only way you can get a ad on Facebook or an ad on LinkedIn yeah. is by going directly to them and advertising with them. Yeah. So that's the only way you can like get ads on their platform. And the key things they've got going for them is that data points. So they've got so much more data on on us as users than any other ad platforms. So on LinkedIn, that's stuff like uh, they know your job title, <clears throat> they know if you're new into a role, um, but they also know like your firmographic data. So they know that 
for example, that I work for a tech company that's based in the North Island in New Zealand, um, that um, is, is hiring at a, a rapid rate of growth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the information definitely is um, impressive. Like we've recently been doing some like education webinars. We've been working with an auditor because we're in the age got aged care software. Um, and that's been quite useful, just being able to target certain levels within an organization and educate those yeah. levels. Yeah, for sure. Like um, at Lawview, we target uh, in-house legal, which is a, it's a niche within a niche. Um, it's not just lawyers, it's in-house lawyers. And there's no other like kind of reliable way we can reliably access our audience yeah. if we didn't have that, that kind of job title level kind of data to go off of. The last, um, the last channel is display advertising, which is a wonderfully broad term. Um, but in this instance, it refers to ads which appear on hundreds of thousands of different websites across the, um, the internet. So this could be, for a New Zealand audience, this could be uh, an ad appearing on stuff.co.nz. Mm -hmm. But likewise, it could be on a large international site like the New York Times or ESPN.com. Um, so similarly to paid, paid social, uh, display ads target you via your own attributes so they um in google's example they know that you're interested in maybe um films and entertainment if you've been to websites such as uh hoyts or imdb or something like that <laughs> and they know they they think they know your age and your gender and all these types of things um display is ideally suited for uh, kind of brand objectives so if you're looking to reach a large audience multiple times um that's where you'd use a display advertising so you want to serve impressions. Um, it's probably not the best for driving conversions, um, but if you're looking to elevate your brand and expand your reach amongst, amongst the large audience, then displays the channel for you. Cool. What channel do you think is best for return on investment? It's quite a... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a funny one. No, it's just funny because um, it depends how good your tracking is, really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> For most organizations, especially if they're using Google Analytics, um, that'll tell you that the best ROI comes from paid search or organic search. And for reasons mentioned earlier, that's just due to user behavior. So they'll use Google to find your website. Um, I would argue, and it's an argument because it's very hard to prove, um, that it's kind of the channel or the touch point before search, which is the most valuable. So it's the channel which introduces your brand to a user. Um, and more commonly, that'll be something like a display advertising or a, a paid social. So um, using LawView as an example, again, a lot of potential customers for LawView will first hear about LawView and our products and our offering via LinkedIn ads um, or the LinkedIn platform. So you've got to like zoom out and take a really long-term view on it um, because the time from someone first learning about a brand to becoming a customer, it could be up to two years. Mm -hmm. but that is the more important kind of channel in my opinion but again it's very hard to to measure um because yeah. not not everybody sorry not every channel can be measured uh by like you can't measure whether someone sees an ad it's mm -hmm. always about those clicks yeah and it's also it seems to be that you know the amount of touch points that you have to have now just keeps increasing oh crazy yeah you know. um i think it's like I think Gartner does a report on this each year um, yeah. or LinkedIn, like speaking about the touch points before a, a meaningful conversion action. And it can be up to like 20, 30, 40. Yeah, which is big numbers. 
you know yeah it's the it's the tough thing for us as tech marketers as well like if we were selling t-shirts or nikes it would be a lot simpler but but we're not but that's what we choose so it's all good (laughs) what are some some cool digital marketing tools that you use or you'd recommend for our listeners uh there's so many out there especially now um it's a new tool every week it's a new kind of sponsored message on linkedin ads trying to sell you something each week isn't it (laughs) um i'll suggest some free ones i think um the first one is and probably a lot of listeners have used it already is google tag manager yeah um it kind of sits in the background and you only use it when you need it um but I think the value which it gives us as marketers um, is kind of unrivaled. So obviously so much of the marketing role is about tracking, um, tracking conversions, tracking website visits. Yeah. And we wouldn't be able to do that as easily if we didn't have Google Tag Manager because it enables you to um, place tracking tags on different buttons or on your website without the need of a developer. Yeah. Um, I was working in an ad agency when Google Tag Manager was first released and it was amazing because we didn't have to go to a a, um, a website developer to get a tracking tag added to a link or a button or a or a, um, a checkout form yeah. because sometimes for a lot of clients and for a lot of businesses, um, they might not have website development in-house. So that would cost them an hour of a developer's time. So that's been great. Um, <clears throat> the next one is, it sounds like a cop-out, but Google Analytics. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know we've all got it standard, but like but if you know Google Analytics in and out and it's set up for your business, it will be your best friend, especially over a, in a role over one, two, three, four, five years, because yeah. that kind of standardization and continuity, continuity of data means you can compare um, organic performance or website performance like month to month or year to year. Um, and perhaps the last one is one that maybe less people would have heard of, but it's called Screaming Frog, which is a great name for a tool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a, it's a web crawler and this is a popular kind of tool for SEO work. Um, but it essentially, um, scans your website and it records all your different pages, um, all of your different page titles, your meta descriptions, the amount of words you have on a page, the amount of images you have. Yeah. And it just audits your website and gives you the kind of the raw data in terms of, um, how it's comprised because that is really important in terms of technical SEO and making sure that your website is like compliant and it's easy for um, search engines to index. And ultimately that'll determine um, where your pages are ranking in Google and how much traffic you'll be getting. Oh, perfect. Sure. All our listeners will love to give that a go. Um, What would be your three tips for tech companies looking to invest in paid social? Oh, not, not paid social, sorry, paid advertising. Social might be included or may not be. (laughs) um i reckon first of all just always be guided by an objective um never say let's do linkedin ads just for the sake of linkedin ads um you've always got to have an objective um it can be something as simple as just getting your brand in front of more more eyeballs or it can be really complex um such as uh driving a just a single kind of conversion point in a customer's path to purchase um this is actually something which a university degree comes in handy for because they hammer home that kind of that process of having a goal, a strategy, an objective, and a tactic. Yeah. Um, so LinkedIn ads should generally only be ever like a paid social in particular. LinkedIn ads should ever be like a tactic, um, like a means to an end, a means yeah. to an objective. Um, the second one is just invest in, invest time in your tracking setup ahead of time. Um, 
you can get caught up in kind of like getting a campaign live or um, really wordsmithing the right kind of headline for an ad. But you need to be able to prove its performance afterwards. And especially with digital advertising, you'd be like missing a big trick if you didn't track everything you can and kind of prove your your worth. Yeah. So put the time into setting up all of your tracking properly from the start. Um, again, this is where Google Tag Manager would come in handy um, because sooner or later you're going to wonder or your boss is going to ask you um, how well has this campaign performed. And if you have that kind of data, um, then that's a great advantage. Yeah. Also, you can tell whether you can whether like your your ad spend isn't giving you what it wants. So you, like you have that level of information to to pivot before yeah. it's too late. Yeah. Um, and the second one is really focus on your audience. Um, again, don't just uh, jump at the chance to advertise on a certain channel. Like think about where, what your audience is is doing, where they're spending their time, mm-hmm. and then kind of what data you can glean off them. So yeah. if you're B, if you're B two B it's highly likely you'll use something like LinkedIn ads. Um, think about how they're spending their time on there. Think about um, what kind of data points you can you can find on them. For example, yeah. are they active in community groups? Are they um, especially skilled in, in something? For example, for us for in-house law, that's stuff like contract management or uh, litigation. But there's an example for every single vertical or industry, I feel. Cool. We have some listeners that I guess don't have a huge marketing budget. So what would be some tips for improving organic online presence without the need for actually having that upfront paid cost, if that makes sense? For sure. Um, There's that, like the constant saying in um, digital marketing, like content is king. Um, And it's become a cliche, but it's still just so relevant. Um, (laughs) Like nowadays, it might be more like long form content is king, given the kind of recommendations for um, on-site SEO. But really, like just keep on producing content is the main thing. Um, You'll be rewarded and website content can become organic content. You can break it down into social posts and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of leads into the second, my second kind of point is that make sure your website is your center of your universe. Mm -hmm. So you you own your website. Your website dictates how much um, online visibility you have in like search engines. Yeah. So produce for your website first and then take that content and then spread it off over your social channels after that. It's kind of like if you prioritize your website first and produce content just for that, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, your organic kind of social channels will take care of themselves after that. Um, and the other thing is, again, with your website, is just make sure it's technically sound so make sure you're ticking all those boxes in terms of organic and seo technical best practice um if you are like time poor or you're a um a single digital marketer within an organization um it can be quite intimidating to learn all the ins and outs of technical seo Mm -hmm. so in that instance i'd recommend like asking around for maybe different seo agencies in your market um Mm -hmm. i'd highly recommend like asking for personal referrals there so like that's when um, ideally you can like leverage something such as the tech marketers group kind of community yeah. um, and go from there. Um, but if you do have the time and you have the knowledge, um, it's just about, I think, finding a, an online tool that works for you. So I mentioned Screaming Frog before, you can use that. Um, but there's other tools like um, SEM Rush and, and all those that can kind of help you kind of improve the technical aspects of your website because it's kind of like, um, you know, where people 
goes to like like an like an open home and look at a house and say it's like got good bones. Yeah. You can say the same same thing with your website. If it's technically set up well, um, yeah. then the content you put on it will be in the best kind of position to succeed. And even something that we've a lesson that we've learned recently is actually how users are like what they're doing on your website. So we implemented Hotjar. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so that was quite good to actually understand, you know, even little things like bullet points that people thought were buttons, but they weren't. And then we turn mm-hmm. them into links that link to another page and it really helped that conversion. Yeah. Um, another good thing there is like differentiating the user experience between desktop and mobile. So yeah. like, again, like we go to, a, uh, we sit in front of a laptop every day for work. So we always think about desktop first, but um, especially for organic search, um, it is mobile first now. So always kind of look at your website from that mobile first perspective. And a tool like Hotjar is great for that because they can um, like track all those keystrokes and all that. Yeah, definitely. What would be your favorite paid channel? Might be a hard question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with LinkedIn ads. Um, it is my favorite at the moment. Um, I love it because the data they provide is just like truly unique. Like you're never going to find um, so much B2B rich kind of data on any other ad platform, such as um, previous experience or job title. Yeah. However, <clears throat> um, LinkedIn ads just isn't the same in terms of like using it day-to-day in the ads manager platform. Yeah. It's just not as good as something like Meta with Facebook mm-hmm. ads. Um, so it can be frustrating sometimes. I often say that, um, like the LinkedIn ads, uh, DSP, like the demand side platform, the thing you log into, mm-hmm. it is what Facebook was five years ago. Yeah. Um, so they'll, they'll catch up and then they'll be unequivocally my favorite, um, advertising <laughs> channel, but they still, they definitely still reach your head. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you know, I, I've had those thoughts as well about LinkedIn, but no, they do have the information you can get out of it is incredible really. Um, yeah. Just needs a what, dozen whistles to go here. Yeah. What do you believe is the biggest challenge for digital market marketers from your perspective? I'd probably say it's just cutting through in terms of like reaching their goals mm. and reaching their customers. It's probably about cutting through the market. Sorry, cutting through the noise in the market at the moment. Um, like it's so hectic out there um, and reaching customers. It's about whether they can get a user's kind of engagement and attention with their ads. It's one thing launching an ad an ad campaign um, and advertising on a channel, but you're vying, you're constantly vying for others' attention. Um, and how that comes through to like, maybe for the day-to-day role for a digital marketer is how do they marry the best possible kind of strategy with the best possible targeting yeah. with um, well-written ads, with really compelling creative. Yeah. I think that's always been a marketer's challenge is kind of uh, bringing all those things together. Um, but then doing it in the modern marketplace um, where there's so much competition is it's, it's even more difficult at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would be, you know, kind of talking about that challenge, can I just ask you, what would you think would be the biggest lesson you learned as a digital marketer, like kind of from the other side, having these challenges and then what lessons did you learn from them? Um. I think, and this actually kind of comes back to my point earlier about like what I'd tell to my like younger self, younger professional self, yeah, is just like understanding that 
a digital marketing channel or a, a, a campaign or an activation is kind of like only one arrow and a quiver of like your marketing team or your organization. Um, mm. Like you need to, you need to work in unison with other functions in your organization or other, um, or other companies or other kind of influences on your customer. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, you need to be quite humble as to what you're, what you're doing from a day to day. Um, yeah. And you really need to be like, really like super cognizant of everything else, which is influencing a customer as well and everything your colleagues are doing. So kind of expanding on, on what you've just said, what are three pieces of advice um, you would give for a digital marketer, marketer starting in the in the tech sector specifically? Oh, yeah. I think um, definitely like build relationships with the other functions in your organization. Um, a lot of tech companies have like a um, kind of standard departments like uh, sales, customer success, implementation. Um, mm -hmm really build relationships with others in those fields um, yeah. because the learnings they have like definitely directly influence like how you might plan a campaign or go about reaching a customer. Um, the second one is just learning as much as you can about your audience. Um, this is definitely like a, a barrier I ran into moving into legal tech because I'm, I'm not a lawyer and mm. the legal area is so complex. Um, but the more I learned about the, our audience, um, the more I spoke with former lawyers and kind of empathized with what they are seeing on a day-to-day, -day. Mm -hmm. um, the better equipped I felt to strategize around um, our objectives to to reach those lawyers um, and kind of reach our goals. Um, and the last one, again, is just like really dial in your CRM and just know everything you can about it. Um, become an expert in your own systems. Mm -hmm. um, like hopefully you use you'd use something like HubSpot, which is super like user user friendly. Um, and um, the more you kind of know how to report on your efforts, but also I guess track your prospects kind of progress, um, then the better job you're going to do. Mm. Awesome. Um, what have been some of the more considerable challenges you've had to overcome in the digital marketing space, and how did you tackle them? Um, I feel like every digital marketer's complaint is budget. So yeah. there's just never enough budget. There's never enough budget to go on these channels or get this tool or um, or do this or that. Um, so it's it's definitely been a challenge to reach objectives when you're on when you've got limited means. Yeah. Um, there's no like there's no key there's no silver bullet to overcoming it. Um, I think it's something you've got to learn from experience. Um, is how you kind of can chop and change your budgets to reach your different goals. One thing I would say is that if you've got a small budget, um, don't be overly ambitious. So do one thing and do it really, really well yeah. is what I recommend, um, especially if you're tracking your setup um, and you're tracking all your conversions and you can kind of provide a business case for how you spent your budget and how it met your goal. Mm -hmm. um, at least, at the very least in that instance, you're providing a business case to your organization to maybe invest more in your campaign next time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Lastly, who are some tech marketers you admire and why and who should we call up next time on the <laughs> podcast? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> you've had Bindi on the podcast already and now you've got me. So I feel like you should go for the, you should fill out your bingo card of law view tech marketers. Um, 
but I'm not just saying that um, our chief marketing officer is called Greg Stevenson. He's um, he's a fantastic marketer. Um, yeah. Constantly learning from him um, week to week in our role. So I'd recommend having him on your show. Um, but also uh, other colleagues within our marketing function at Lawview are great. So Sean Simpson is mm -hmm. kind of a, a well-known name in the community space in New Zealand. Um, she provides a hell of a lot of value. And also our, um, our VP of product marketing, Ashley Bass. Um, she's Christchurch based along with me. Um, she's another one who you feel kind of privileged to work alongside. Um, oh, cool. Like the amount of knowledge around the product marketing space, which which she has is it's unrivaled for sure. Perfect. Well, I have to get in touch with them. Well, thank you for coming along, along, Ben. You've shared some fantastic insights, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. If you have any questions for Ben or future episodes, please get in touch. Ben, where can our listeners um, get hold of you or reach you? Um, well, I'm Christchurch-based, so if anybody ever wants to discuss these things in person, um, they're welcome to, to reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn. There's only one other Ben Van Land on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so reach out to one of us and you've probably got a pretty high chance of being the right one. But yeah, find me on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to reach out, out to us at Tech Marketers Group, you'll find our website and social accounts in the show notes. For more New Zealand tech marketing content, be sure to like this episode and give us a follow. Until next time.